0: then we'll, we'll start walking forward. Genesis chapter 6, a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday morning, we did the, the altar of Noah, and uh, I, I read this. But it's just kind of been one of those things that just keep, keep it's in the back of your mind. It just keeps, keeps percolating, keeps pushing. And so I want to read it to you, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11 says this. And the earth was also or the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth and God said unto Noah the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth Did you catch that? The Bible says that, the the Bible uh, indicates that the earth was filled. Now your word uses violence and it absolutely is a violent thing. But if if we could, not to change the Bible, but just to, to, to kind of wrap everything together, the earth was filled with sin. I want you to look at your neighbor and say the earth was filled with sin. Filled with sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you about the law of the vacuum. In Jesus' name. Father, would you let your word go forth? Would you let your word fall on ears that are ready to receive it? And we're going to be excited to hear your voice, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. The law of the vacuum. Lest someone thinks that I am going to be preaching on cleaning apparatuses, let me ease your consternation. Uh, I kidded with the, the group in the office before we came in that, I thought about preaching about the law of the vacuum on Mother's Day, but I thought I might get hit, so I decided not to preach about vacuums on Mother's Day. Nor is it a way for me to talk to you about my own vacuum inadequacies. Uh, I don't necessarily like to vacuum, and so if I never vacuum again, that would be awesome. Now, I hope someone vacuums. I just don't want it to be me. But, uh, but that's it. But what I want to talk to you is from Aristotle. Uh, Aristotle. He In his fourth book of physics... He wrote this, and you've probably heard it before, he wrote that nature abhors a vacuum. How many of you have ever heard that statement, nature abhors a vacuum? And his premise was an observation that nature itself requires every space to be filled with something, even if that something is only air. Let me, if we could have a super high-speed camera, in fact, I would tell you that probably none of our cameras today, I don't know that even they are fast enough to catch it, but if you were to go to the ocean and you were to stick your fist down into the ocean and you would pull it out for the briefest of nanoseconds, there would be a fist-shaped hole in the ocean. But faster than you can even comprehend, You can't see it because nature abhors a vacuum. And so when you pull your fist out, what happens? The waters close. When something is removed, there are things that are rushing and waiting to take its place. If you don't believe that, be brave enough to go Christmas shopping on the last weekend before Christmas and find out how fast an empty parking space can get filled. How many times two people try to get in the same parking space but, but there's a whole other physics thing that says two things can't, can't uh, uh, you know, be and occupy the same space. It's kind of impossible. But uh, the law of the vacuum is that nature abhors a vacuum. The book of John chapter 1 and verse 26, when, when John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not, and it's he who's coming after me who's preferred before me, whose shoes latch it as I'm not, un- I'm not worthy to unloose that these things which were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing, and the next day John seeth Jesus coming to him, saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. In, In Noah's life, there was a lot of sin. When Noah was done, guess what? There was still a lot of sin. after. I mean, it didn't take... Uh, but just a couple days being out of the ark and his daughters are already sinning. We live in a world today where we could say the same thing. It's full of sin. Let me take you to another verse that I've heard several times over the past month or so in in our church, Romans chapter one and and I want to go to verse 29. And again this is this is kind of showing you everything that that is happening in both Paul's day but it also fits so perfectly with today. Verse 29 Romans 1. Being filled, there's that word again, being filled with unrighteousness and fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperings, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient with parents, they didn't have understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful that's a whole lot of junk, a whole lot of sin that we just rattled off but the Bible tells us in Paul's time and it's a, it's, a, a, a uh, it's our time too that they were filled with sin look at your neighbor again, say they were filled with sin now I'm glad that we serve it in a God that can remove the sin I once was my, my heart was once as black as black could be. With sin and malignity and, and all of those things that we've been ri- reading about, violence and malignity and backbiting and unrighteousness and fornication and and, and deceit and envy and murder and malign and whispers and backbiters, all of that is sin. But I'm so thankful y'all sung it today. The power of the blood. Aren't you glad that God can remove the sin? Julie Ackerman Link uh, wrote something like this. She said that when the Holy Spirit begins to convict us of sin, the idea of starting a self-improvement plan immediately comes to mind. If If you can remember back when you were just a cold, dark sinner, if you can remember back when God began to tug on your heart, before anything crazy happened with God, you begin to think, I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I don't want to have this in my life anymore. I'd like to change. And so, again, I quote from Julie Ackerman. She said, We put forth our best effort to defeat our worst uh, habits. But every attempt to get rid of unclean thoughts and attitudes and desires are destined to fail because getting rid of one creates a vacuum in our souls and as soon as we empty ourselves of one vice, others move in its place and we end up just as bad or even worse than when we started. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand necessarily, but how many of you have ever finally conquered one sin and maybe it was through just your, your sheer will, you conquered a sin only to find there was a lot more sins that came into its place. You wouldn't be the only one to raise your hand, Paul would have raised his hand. Paul in Romans chapter 7 would say, When I try to do good, evil is present with me. When I try to do the right thing, I can't. It seems like no matter what I do, there is sin in me. And he ends up saying, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Jesus, in a a roundabout way, mentioned the law of the vacuum in Luke chapter 11 and Verse 24. And now he was talking about Pharisees and he was really letting these these so-called religious people have it. But he said that when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, that unclean spirit walketh through the dry places and finds rest, or, or seeks rest and finds none. And so he says, I will return unto my house from whence I was cast out. And when he cometh, he find that house swept and garnished. So he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man was worse than the first. And, and the, the picture he's trying to paint is, imagine someone who has been possessed of the devil, and God uh, delivers that, that man from being possessed of the devil, and now this devil's walking around homeless. Another place in the Bible, those devils said, we don't want to be homeless. Why don't you put us in these pigs? And so God, with a great sense of humor, said, go hit the pigs. And they hit the pigs, and the pigs took off running and jumped into the sea and drowned themselves. But, but if you will, those, those, that, that, that old devil, that, that old demonic, he, he, he goes, hey, I'm homeless. I, I, I've been cast out. And he walks around. He can't find any rest. And so he says, well, let me go back to the house I used to live in. He goes back, and there's someone that's been set free. And it's swept and it's garnished, but he thinks for himself, he says, you know what, let me get some help. And he goes and gets seven other guys with him. And together they go in and take out. The, the understanding is, it, now, now realize, please understand that first and foremost, that verse was the opposition that Jesus felt with the Pharisees. And he was really just kind of letting them have it that they think they're doing good, but they're really seven times worse than when they started. But there's a secondary meaning that mirrors that law of the vacuum, and that is just because you can clean some bad stuff out doesn't mean nothing else comes in. How about a very practical application of that? How many of you do spring cleaning at your house and you get rid of all of your clutter and all of those useless knickknacks and you clean out the garage? Anybody do stuff like that? For those of you that haven't yet started, why do you have to do it again? You get rid of all the stuff you have, you have a huge garage sale and you give it to Goodwill. But let a year go by and you collect more junk than you had when you first started. Our souls tend to be like that. (laughs) I need you to get actively involved, get mentally connected for a moment. Have you ever tried or have you ever found it to be true that when you try to remove the sinful things from your life, it just seems that you sin more the lord understood this and, uh, and and so the lord lord he he allowed for the operation of the law of the vacuum that old song that says what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow There is no other fount, I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I am so absolutely thankful that Jesus is able to remove the sin and the guilt that's associated with a life that was full of sin. Can I tell you that it's impossible to be just part sinner? It's impossible just to be a little sin. What did Jesus say? He said in in likening sin to leaven in bread, He said just a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You cannot operate. You are either going to be full of sin or not full of sin. And the only way to not be full of sin is to be saved, the blood of Jesus. When, 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 when you repent of your sins, that's you telling the Lord you're sorry and you're saying I don't want to live this way anymore and it's an act of, of spiritual killing off of the old man. I don't want to be that way. But if you've never been washed in the blood of Jesus, then those sins are still there. When I was baptized in Jesus' name, when I went down in the waters, let me, let me read another verse to that old song. It says, nothing can for sin atone. Nothing can but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. No, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. And and so it is that when you are baptized in the Jesus name, when you go under that water, that is when the sin is removed from your life. And you are empty. And I'm thankful for that. But remember, the law of the vacuum is nature abhors emptiness just because you've repented of your sins, just because you have uh, uh, been free from that sin, there is an emptiness in your life that begs to be filled. And if you're not filled with God, sin finds a way of creeping back in. But that's why the Bible starts talking to us. Jesus came not only to remove sin but he came to fill us watch watch uh, uh, Acts or well first off watch with what Matthew chapter 3 verse 11 says Jesus said I indeed baptize or I indeed baptize you with water I'm sorry this was John the Baptist talking of Jesus I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but he that cometh after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 1, he, uh, Jesus is there and it says that you've heard of me, that John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. They were wondering what this means. Does this mean you're going to restore the the kingdom of Israel again? And Jesus says you're not going to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But verse 8, Acts chapter 1, but this is going to happen. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And then he disappears from their sight, and they go into the upper room. But then watch Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in, or they were all in with one accord, in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And watch what it says. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto the clove and tongue, appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them. Now not only was the house filled. But the Bible says, and they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I am 100% convinced that they used the word filled on purpose. This is not just an empty adjective that we use to describe, but there is a purpose. You and I must be filled with the Holy Ghost. In fact, I would tell you that uh, later on, Paul wrote in Ephesians, he says that, that, that you might be, verse 19 of chapter 3, he said that you might be filled with all the fullness of the Lord. Filled. I would like to tell you today and I think you know this none of this is new stuff for you but the law of the vacuum in our life is this you're either going to be filled with the world and it's going to drive out the spirit of God there'll be no room for it or you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and there'll be no room for the world you cannot have it both ways it is impossible to be filled with two things Two things can, oper, can, can occupy the same space. And so it is. What are you filled with? Now, I, I'm maybe mixing my metaphors a little bit, but in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 16, you have this, this, this understanding where the Lord said, I would rather you be hot or I would rather you be cold. I don't want you to be lukewarm. I'll, I'll spit you out of my mouth. I don't need room temperature water. I've heard it said, and, and I have tried to, to find it myself, and sometimes I have difficulties finding it, but I have heard it talked about that the reason uh, that is there is because in that area that, that we're, we're talking about in, in the book of Revelation, there was a hot spring at one area, and there was a cold spring with some of the clearest water you could drink and another. But they, the, those two the springs flowed into streams or rivers. And at some point, those two streams connected. Hot springs are good. They've got some medicinal qualities. They ease the old bones. They help the arthritis. There's some minerals in those hot springs that are good for you. And so a hot spring, you may not drink it, but it has some good uh, things. A cold spring is good for drinking and it's there, but when those two would, would take their journey and when they finally mixed and mingled, it wasn't good for anything. It had too many minerals to really drink it and it wasn't clean enough or or, or it didn't have those, enough minerals rather to make it medicinal. The Lord said, I would rather you be warm or cold. I, again, may, maybe I'm taking this or trying to stretch it too far, but I... I Kind of like my coffee hot and my iced tea cold, and I don't like them too often to be the same. I'm not a real big uh, iced coffee drinker, and I'm not a huge hot tea drinker. Some of you may be the exact opposite, but you know what? I kind of I, I have we 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 sold them and we have them out for the church. In fact, I think we still have a few more. If you haven't got one, but we have those 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 uh, Arctic cups and they got our church logo on them and they're awesome because they'll keep things hot for a long time or they'll keep something cold for a long time. One of the saddest things and pretty much one of the most disgusting things in my life is that last swallow of coffee that's been sitting on my desk too long and now it's cold. Any, Any people say amen to that? I'd rather throw it away and start all over. You can ask Sister Sharon. Every once in a while I'll come in and I'll get myself a good cup of coffee and I'll have it under the coffee pot making. Something happen and about two hours later I'll realize I have a cup of coffee that's sitting under the, under the spout and it's cold. That just goes away. I don't, I don't microwave my coffee. It has to be fresh. And so that goes out and we have to start all over. The reason, the reason you can have lukewarm is because one side or the other was not strong enough to overpower the other one. You can add hot water and cold water together, but if one of those is strong enough, it will bring it up. It's either going to bring the temperature of your bath water up, or you can add enough cold water and enough ice to bring a hot liquid down. But If, they, if neither one can do it, nobody wins. It just kind of muddies. It gets to a, just that lukewarm temperature, today you're either going to be filled with the spirit that will drive out the world or you're going to be filled with the world and it's going to drive away the spirit and if neither one of them can win, you're going to be lukewarm, muddied, useful for nothing, for nothing. And I have thought about this, and I've looked at it, and there's a place in the Bible, and we sing about it being filled with the Spirit and, and filled with this glory. And I, I don't want to get to some place where, where you, you start living for God in, a, in, a, in a, a time of just fear that you'll never make it. Can I tell you that if you have been saved, you don't have to live your life every day afraid you're going to lose the Holy Ghost. Okay, let me, let me just go on record for saying that. If you've been saved and God has filled you with His Spirit and you've been baptized and you're living for God, I want you just to know that God has the power for you to be an overcomer. But at the risk of, of just totally throwing out everything I just said, it is our duty to be filled with His Spirit. Why do we read our Bible? It's one way We fill up. Why do we pray? Why do we have devotions? Why do we come to church? Why do we worship? Why do we keep listening to sermons? Why do we keep praying? Why do we keep fasting? It's because I am doing my very best to be filled with His Spirit. I have found in my life that when any of those things are neglected, I become less filled. And as that level kind of goes... Maybe it's evaporation. Maybe it's use. I don't know. I'll tell you right now, some of the greatest temptations for a preacher will happen after they've preached their guts out because they have given all they can give. They've emptied themselves and if I'm not careful, if I don't quickly get back and say Lord fill me, if I don't get back to the word, if I don't get back to prayer, I can go through a time of spiritual drought and I'm empty and nature abhors a vacuum and an empty Christian is a perfect place for sin to rush in. people start saying pastor i'm really struggling and when i start seeing if if we can use that word backsliding what i start looking for is how are you being filled what's what's being put into your life you're either going to be filled with with his spirit or you're going to be filled with sin and i am so very thankful that god can remove the sin but I'm so much thankfuler that God said, not only am I going to remove the sin, but I'm going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost so that you don't have to worry about that anymore. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What are you filled with? What's, what's being fed? There's an old story, and I've used it before here, and, and, and I've, I've heard it done many times. I doubt it's true the story of an old man that would come down to the mining camp and every friday night when they got paid and he would bring his two dogs he had a dog that was pretty much all white and he had a dog that was pretty much a dark or a black dog and and he would sit there and he'd say let's fight and they'd take bets to see which dog would win and he just i mean everybody won there wasn't much to do in that old uh, uh, mining camp and so you know he he would they would lay down their money and You know, it was amazing. Never, ever did that old man lose a bet. He always knew which dog was going to win. Everybody else would try it. Everybody else would, would, uh, you know, have their own thoughts, and it just never worked. Finally, someone got got him aside, and he said, how do you always know which dog is going to win? He said, well, the dog that wins is the dog I fed this week. The dog I starved... Is the dog that was too weak to fight. There's a lot of truth to that in our life. What you feed your life is going to be what fills your life. If you are feeding your life the things of God, then you will be filled with His Spirit. But if you find yourself filling your life with all of the other trappings of this world, then it won't be very long. Before we could say of you what they said of, of, of Noah's time, of what they said in Paul's time, that the world, that, that they were filled with sin. I know nothing today is brand new, but I think it's one of those things that you and I need to be reminded more often than not. What are you filled with? What are you filled with? We gotta be very careful, we don't become uh, roller coaster Christians. You know, one service you're filled with the Spirit and the next two weeks you're on a downhill and then finally you hit rock bottom and you go back up. Don't don't be a roller coaster Christian. But young people, I will tell you this. Coming up in just really about 10 days, you're going to have your youth week and that is always a powerful time. If you're not filled with His Spirit, if you're not getting, you need to take now in the next 10 weeks, and you need, I mean, next 10 days, and you need to say, Lord, as we get ready for this youth week, God, let me be filled. Let me be filled. And then don't let youth week be what fills you, and then you got to wait for the next youth week to come around for you. Now, keep being filled. Why do we have Tuesday night prayers, prayer meetings? Well, for me, it's because I want to be filled with the Spirit. There's a lot of times I come and I, I kneel down and and uh, there's a song, I don't remember, sometimes all I know is the, the one part of the song, but there's that one song that says, Empty me of everything that's not like you. And the implied thing is, I don't want to just be emptied, but I need you to fill me with everything that's like you. I want you to stand today across this congregation. And I want you just to take you in just just quickly examine your life and I want you to ask yourself what am I what's empty in my life and what's being filled because I I promise you I promise you you will be filled with something and you cannot serve two masters the word of God says and so you're either going to be filled with the spirit you're going to be filled with this word with, the, with this world, rather, this world. And I'm, I'm wondering today, which one is it going to be? As they begin to sing this song, I want to open these altars. I want to invite you to come. Let you take some time to examine your life a little bit more clearly. A little bit more closely. And ask of yourself, Lord, what am I allowing to fill? Because God, if it's not you, then I need you to take it out right now. I need you to remove it. I need you to empty me out. But Lord, don't leave me empty long. Fill me with your spirit. Would you begin to come right now in the presence of the Lord in Jesus' name?